0: This is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights Podcast. Well, it was a terrific privilege to experience Disneyland as it takes center stage in celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. This is what the 50th anniversary for Walt Disney World should have looked like. We chronicle all of this, but we also talk about other fantastic events happening. Rogers the musical is really worth seeing and San Francisco is well underway. We'll talk about it and Indiana Jones which has been retouched with more chills and thrills than I have seen in the many years I've been on that attraction. And then there's the newly revised Mickey's Toontown. Join us as we canvas Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure on this the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. Make sure you also check out DisneyInsights.com. You'll want to subscribe there. You're going to see lots of photos talking about the things we're uh, talking about today. You're also going to see links to videos, so important. You can also go over to our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed there, you should. Lots of great videos there, particularly of the many, uh, the major entertainment offerings that uh, were a part of this celebration. You absolutely have to see them to understand them. Um, It's just so fantastic. So make sure you check out both our YouTube page as well as our DisneyInsights.com page. I'm just gonna talk about some general things as we get underway. The first of these is the weather. I talked a little bit about that in my previous podcast. The last one dealt with um, bringing my son on his 21st birthday to Disneyland. And all the ups and downs we had of that, if you have a chance, take a listen to that. Um, It was um, a memorable experience, but I noticed as I stepped out, even on the first day, it was warm. Even at times, because it's drier and not humid, a little more on the scorching side, but definitely not on the humid side, and far more bearable than what I've been experiencing at Walt Disney World in recent uh, weeks. So it was kind of doable. I mean, the answer to this was simply get there early, leave around 11 or noon, come back four or five, enjoy the evening. That's always going to be the case when you're coming to any park, whether it's Disneyland or Walt Disney World, during the summer months. But doing that really helped pay uh, pay out for us. Now, I... I Priced a rental car, which was only going to be about, I think, three hundred, three fifty for the week. Well, you know, when they add taxes and everything, it ends up being four hundred. And then I added about fifty dollars for gas, and then you add all the parking for four days at Disneyland and the parking for the hotel, and you just started building up. And so I finally decided I would take um, a lift. I would use a lift in Uber. And I think we came out probably somewhere at about 350 as opposed to about 700, 750 if we had taken the rental car. The best part of taking a Lyft or Uber, mind you, if you could stay within, I would say, from Harbor Boulevard to the park, somewhere in there, and you can walk it, all the better. Howard Johnson, from there on out, walk it. That's all great. Too often people stay like near the convention center and that whole walk-in, it becomes really kind of, um, it, it, it takes its own toll, especially if you're going, you know, returning to your hotel room, um, you know, as the heat presses on in the day. So I love the idea that I could just walk out to Harbor Boulevard, get a lift in Uber, by and large, just taking it from there to our Marriott Suites where we stayed, um, it was only usually about 10 maybe $12 if we were getting a slightly larger vehicle for us. It was really helpful. Now, that said and done, there were moments that weren't so great. At the end of the day, when everybody's pouring out of the parks, everybody's wanting a lift or Uber. That was a challenge. And in one case, I think we waited up to 30 minutes for that lift to get there. And nothing frustrates you more than you think somebody's coming. All of a sudden it dumps you and you're getting somebody else and it's still more time before they arrive. That was a little frustrating. I will also tell you that coming back one, uh, I think it was our third day, back to the hotel. I was really tired. It was sunny. We got into a conversation about the differences between Fantasmic at Walt Disney World and Disneyland and I was a little distracted. I got out of my car, he drove away, realized he had my phone. Oh my goodness, I got onto a hotel phone and started dialing my phone, dialing my phone, dialing my phone. Bless his heart, he re- he he finally, I think when he picked up someone else, the passenger said, hey, there's an extra phone back there. When I called, he finally answered. He brought it back. I had it within about f- 15, 20 minutes after I realized I had lost it. Of course, you don't have that experience if you got your own rental car, per se, unless you... um, And by the way, one of the problems with the rental car thing, too, is that you're having to go way off-site. Now, they're building kind of a people mover at LAX that kind of takes you to a rental car place. That may be a little better. And and at LAX right now, there's kind of a temporary Lyft Uber place to pick up um, a Lyft or an Uber and that's kind of a pain to get to. You have to get on a shuttle bus and take it over. But when you come back, they drop you off right at um, departure. So just kind of consider that. I think that's one of the important things I wanted to share with you about considering your trip because the whole the whole uh, transportation issue, you have to kind of cost it out to figure out. Now, once we got into the park, it was so beautiful. So many times, And my my wife mentioned in the previous podcast that because she ended up doing a lot of rote activities with our son, she had a chance to just really take a step back and see the beauty of the park. And it was beautiful, freshly painted. Um, Flowers were gorgeous. I pointed to several things in Town Square and the, the hub, how the flowers are so... Now, mind you, Disney World used to do that extensively. As they pulled back and focused on the Flower and Garden Festival... You tend to have more regular shrubs. I mean, it's it's nice, but it is not beautiful like it is at Disneyland. It's one of the things you're going to see. Lots of shade trees, maybe one or two that are a little too close to the castle. But you know what? There is plenty of shade in Town Square, and that is one of the missing elements uh, at Walt Disney World. So, again, a lot of beautiful places to just... Get and lots of park benches. These things just really make uh, the stay well. I had heard others having problems when they went to the parks; things didn't work, and there were an experience. uh, My wife went on Roger Rabbit at one point, and they had to pull everybody off. Got some interesting photos. I'll share uh, on another occasion with that because I want to do a whole thing on Toontown and and uh, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway there at Disneyland. We'll do that in a few weeks went on Indiana Jones, which had come back from a major rehab. And let me tell you, I've been riding on that thing since 2000, I think was the first time I really had a chance. So over the last 23 years, I've been riding that attraction, which models the same track layout as Dinosaur at Disney's Animal Kingdom. This was the best ride. I captured it on video and will um, eventually do... Uh, a focus on it, lots of new projections, lots of fresh uh, focus on effects and and things that actually move. (laughs) And it really, it operated like a gem. It was so fun to go on Indiana Jones and to experience it. It is one of the really best designed immersive attractions you could possibly ever go on. It's a little jolting. I mean, if you're familiar with the dinosaur attraction at Animal Kingdom, you know, you get get thrown around in your seat. But let me tell you, it was truly exciting to go on uh, the Indiana Jones adventure while we were there. Passing around right next to Indiana Jones, they're still working on the treehouse. Kind of a modified new version of, of the Swiss Family Treehouse. There have been lots of rumors. Maybe it would have Encanto. It doesn't. It seems to be a new, fresh take on the Swiss Family Treehouse. Wish it were open. That was my probably my biggest disappointment, things not open. As well as the French market, which is being turned into a Tiana's restaurant. I show a picture of um, work being done on, on the new Tiana's Bayou Adventure, which is behind... Uh, the progress being made on the Walt Disney World version—they've already gotten a water tower put up. They were still taking down the tree that sat at the at the top of Splash Mountain, and so um, more to come on that, so to speak. But um, but at any rate, um, those were some of the construction activities. Not really a lot going on in all the parks, but those were some some major um, places lots of discussion going on about the crowds both at walt disney world and disneyland and um the crowds were busy they were not overwhelming in fact that that would be my thesis for walt disney world the crowds are busy but not overwhelming overwhelming at disney's hollywood studios is you filled up that parking lot i've yet to see that day arrive at disneyland there is a parking lot structure. I never got to over to it, but I passed by the Toy Story lot every day. And I could tell you they were not filling it nearly as much. And that's a that's a, a bellwether sign as to whether or not you're getting the kinds of crowds people think of when they think about going to the parks during the summer. Um, I've mentioned that one of the previous times was the uh, 4th of July. In 2018, it, because they had taken out annual pass holders during that week, it was almost, that was a dead moment in the parks. Um, I think that there is still, again, I think the parks are busy, but the parks are not at, at, um, at a full or near capacity experience right now. Um, so I think if you're still looking for a place to go this summer, Disneyland, I think, is a great place to go, especially as the weather hopefully starts to cool going into the fall. Uh, one of the new offerings that came out this week was Rogers the Musical, which was a featured musical in the Disney Plus Hawkeye series. And uh, if you haven't seen that video, it's very, very funny. Um, but the music, so they've extended that musical number into a full show. And it's about 35 plus minutes uh, in attendance. And it was a great, it was a charming show. People loved it. It was filled to capacity. There's three ways to attend. You can buy, a, I think it's a 30, maybe $40 popcorn bucket. And, and you get um, the first pass at, at seating anywhere, sitting anywhere when you get in. There is another version, which is you can get in at... 10 30 and i think at noon they did a virtual queue for the attraction i i did it um but the problem was on the first day is that the rest of my family wasn't with me in the park they hadn't entered the park and if you haven't entered the park you don't get a virtual pass you're not eligible when we did it the second time it kind of moved the the show toward a later time and we really wanted to see it sooner so um, we ended up doing a standby that was in the heat of the day, not pretty. Um, and we were at the, uh, the second balcony up. So front row, but second balcony up still a great show. It's not a superhero villain show per se. It's not a focus on villains. It is more a focus on Steve Rogers and, um, Peggy, um, and, uh, and on, the. Um, uh, Peggy um, Carter. And it also includes a very funny num- number by Nick Fury. When, when Steve Rogers kind of comes out of being frozen in ice, he kind of catches him up as to what's going on in uh, in, in the world. And it's just a, it's a very cute number. The whole show was just really lovely. I think if I had had a chance to listen to the music and learn the lyrics, I would have absolutely loved it and loved it even more. And, and would have really enjoyed it all the better. But as it stood, it was a great, it's a perfect compliment to Avengers Campus because it sits just adjacent to um, uh, Cosmic um, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and then the rest of the Avengers Campus. So it was really, it's a really great location for it they talked about having it go till August I can't believe that they wouldn't run this much further I think depending on popularity and how many people are you know looking to attend if they can fill those theaters for every show I think this will be playing for some time and it's it, those the that theater the Hyperion theater is just great at swallowing up a lot of guests so um, I, I highly recommend that. They Pacific Wharf is this little section that has always been in the just in the centerpiece of Disney California Adventure. It's really modeled after um Monterey um in um south of San Francisco. This has been kind of turned into San Fransokyo uh, based on Hero and Baymax and and that whole film and it's it's um, it's really an interesting redo. There's a lot of new signage and a lot of new details to it, which kind of makes it a little busier. Sometimes you used to go through the Monterey version of the Pacific Wharf, and it seemed kind of quiet and dead. They are revitalizing the menus. They're revitalizing the restaurants. They were not all ready for us. The Lucky Fortune had redone its menu. And um, I believe that my wife had gotten the teriyaki chicken and rather enjoyed it uh, for lunch. I um, ended up ordering the pork wonton nachos, which is hoisin glazed pork, cheese sauce, spicy aioli, pickled cabbage, jalapeno, and toasted sesame. I don't know what I was thinking when I ordered this thing. It was, it was greasy. It was gross. It was too hot. Too spicy. It was everything it ought not be. I, I was really bummed out. I had hoped to come back for a Baymax macaron. I don't know why Walt Disney World doesn't do macarons, but Disneyland does. And and I wanted to check out the, the Baymax macaron, which is filled with chocolate hazelnut spread and buttercream. Um, I think it's going, they're still finishing the bridge, uh, of the bridge, which is like the Golden Gate, but with the San Francisco look. Um, if you step into Ghirardelli and I'll try to get a new little video on this in the next day or two, you'll see that they, they have always had these very attractive um, animated, uh, um, not signs, they were kind of uh, um, uh, displays that occurred behind the counter and dioramas, dioramas. And they have redone these to San Francisco and it really looks cool. They're going to add a hero in Baymax, meet and greet. I think this is going to really complement this area. By the way, there is already a San Francisco portion um, in, um, in Disney California. When you get to the Little Mermaid attraction, that's based on what I think is the San Francisco um, Exhibition Hall. Um, I think that's what they call that. Um any rate, um, it is, um, and then the street that's kind of behind it is, it was the Palace of Fine Arts uh, that used to have Golden Dreams and now has a Little Mermaid. That's based on something in San Francisco. And then that street behind it is kind of based on, so this is kind of a larger San Francisco area, but but this area is, Again, theme more to San Francisco as opposed to San Francisco. So at any rate, you yeah, have both when you're visiting Disney California Adventure. Jumping over to Mickey's Tomb Town. This has been rebooted on many levels. And let me say, this is gorgeous. I'm going to dedicate a future podcast to this. But let me just give you an overview really quick. They have taken the entire town, repainted it, added more hills to kind of hide the backdrop of show buildings. And they have used a better color palette than ever. It is just, it's just beautiful. They've also added some park-like elements. They're trying to park all the strollers toward the the little thing that goes, the little path that goes underneath the railroad track at the beginning and trying to keep most of the guests from having strollers throughout the Toontown area, this is, um, these little park areas with artificial turf doesn't do it for me per se. It's kind of like the artificial turf in, um, Magic Kingdom, but they have big trees and some stylistic lights in them. And that's very lovely. A brand new fountain. They actually had two fountains before. They had a Roger Rabbit one and a Mickey one. That's been completely redone to a Mickey one, which is almost a little bit of a water player. You can get in there and kind of play with it. Can't get in it and sit in it, which was one of the problems of the old fountain. But the thing that really struck me, especially in the back where there used to be a Chippendales um, tree house, which had a bounce ball or uh, what do you call those ball, ball pens, you know, which McDonald's used to have, which they all got rid of because they became unsanitary. They've taken that little space and made it a little alcove. And as you step through Toontown, you don't get the, the, the comic tune music playing. What you get now is you get much more of a softer, more peaceful, park-like feel of music. And it just makes the whole place seem more relaxing, more inviting, very cool, it's very functional, what they've done especially and trying to make it more accessible to mobility impaired individuals such as Goofy's uh, house or Donald's boat um, just fantastic and then the new centerpiece of this is El Capitoon not El Capitan but El Capitoon theater and lobby which then um, becomes the foyer and entryway into Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway there let me say this is a better home for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway than the Chinese Theater. And that's probably because I had this bias for why didn't you keep the great movie, right? But it really, the, the, the lobby is a whole study in and of itself that is an homage to Mickey Mouse and a very fun, playful, beautifully done, beautifully designed approach. It is so nice and um, the whole of it is just really great. Made some Roger Rabbit improvements, uh, maybe a little more of a politically correct Jessica Rabbit, but I don't think that's a bad thing, having her more as a detective than um, than a um, uh, shoulder-strapless um, singer. At any rate... It is the subject of another podcast. We'll come back to it, but I just wanted to give you a hint that this is very cool. I'd be really surprised. Tokyo Disney has Toontown as well, just like this. It's a complete flop or reverse. They kind of took the design and moved it. So Roger Rabbit's on the other end instead of that. At any rate, if they don't redo it and add Mickey Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, I'll be really surprised uh, by that. Now, let me get to the 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 piece de la visite, the 100 years of Disney celebration. Disney chose to make this, especially early on, the focal point. There's supposed to be a focal point of the 100-year celebration of Disney at Epcot. We'll come back to that in a moment. But this, I'm telling you, bunting medallions everywhere... In both Disneyland and Disney California Adventure, lots of places you can get a photo to, to take a selfie with something that celebrates, the, as opposed to just the 100 sculpture, uh, the 100 um, signs that you've kind of seen in the four parks at Walt Disney World. Far beyond that. Very, very impressive. Mickey and the gang are costumed. If you haven't seen, the, the little video I have, go to Disney Insights. My son Preston dealing with Donald and Daisy. They're dressed in their 100 years uh, costumes. Um, there is retail everywhere. There's retail in most places at Walt Disney World, but at Disneyland, it's at another level. Lots of choices, retail choices that have at least haven't yet been introduced at Walt Disney World and really fun. Nice stuff, and I haven't been a real big fan of the silver and purple look and feel. Fortunately, they've added other kinds of things that have made it really, really very cool. In the Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln Theater, there's a 100 Years exhibit. It was a little on the side of, it felt like, let's get a bunch of bulletin tack boards and put some pictures up. And they're interesting pictures, and there's a couple of things beyond that, but it's a little bit... It's a little bit south of what could have been there, but at least they had something. There's no 100 years exhibit here. What is really the the best part of the 100 years celebration, other than just simply adding a new revised Toontown and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway, which just really kind of fits in really well, is they have three shows that are truly amazing. Wondrous Journeys, Magic Happens Parade and World of Color One. Let me talk about these for a moment. Wondrous Journeys is the fireworks show at Disneyland, and it just it just rolled through with one stunning piece of music and fireworks. It just one thing after another. The uh, not at the beginning you hear um, Snow White singing "I'm Wishing" with Aurora. Um, I wonder, and, and you have this mixed medley of that. Later on, you have a medley of Hercules and Hunchback and Moana, I believe. Maybe there was a fourth there. Um, but and, and all of these things bring out fi- uh, fireworks with them. Rather than Tinkerbell coming through this, they had the Blue Fairy at one point, And their, their ability here is to actually move those characters back and forth instead of just one time down the rope, so to speak. They had the Blue Fairy at one point and then in another point they had Baymax all suited in armor soaring through with what seemed to be pyro coming out of his feet to provide propulsion. Very very cool both of those. There was a beautiful sweet number towards the end of Dos Orritas which is the two caterpillars song from Encanto. The only disappointing thing is of course Sleeping Beauty's castle is not a tall castle for all those projections, but what they had in projections was great and what they had in fireworks was superb. Um, my favorite fireworks of all time probably has always been the 50th anniversary fireworks that was hosted by Julie Andrews. I think something like that with Julie would have been great here, but but this is close if not tied to that piece the projection additions compared to that original one. Actually, over time, they added some projections to it, but not in the original 50th anniversary run. Uh, You have to make sure, and this is a little difficult because they don't do fireworks. You don't assume fireworks every night. Summer they seem to be doing fireworks every night, but as you get into the off season, they do not do fireworks every night. And so um, they do a projection show, but they don't add the fireworks. So make sure you're... You look ahead to see which night are the fireworks and make sure you have a chance to see that. The second thing is kind of not a Disney 100 thing, but it's become a Disney 100 thing. It's the Magic Happens Parade, which actually kicked off before COVID, but it only did, I think, less than a week, maybe four or five um, uh, showings. And then because of COVID, it was... It, it just ceased uh, for a very very long time and then when they introduced these other two shows they added this as, as to be reintroduced and I had seen some video I'd seen some of the music at the beginning some of the dancing at the beginning was not impressed not thinking this is as good as sounds um, uh, the uh, uh, what was this uh, sounds parade that they had previously which was really really solid however having watched this thing all the way through oh my goodness there was this Moana float that came through with Moana on it and lots of other pieces to it but there was a wave and in the wave were these projections or these this kind of led screen but but under kind of glass or or uh, clear plastic of of the sea in movement and the ocean in movement just like in the film very clever i would have loved to have seen this towards nighttime they had a cocoa float which had it was so cute because they had the marigold bridge that takes you from um the this life to the next life and they had the dog coming at one point leaping through and then he he uh, he leaps through again in this in in his afterlife phase. My favorite piece, probably one of my favorite pieces, tied with these two pieces together are tied. When was the last time anybody cared about Merlin and Arthur? And here they were from Sword in the Stone with the stone pulling out the sword, Merlin dancing, kind of crazy. It was so fun, so cool. By the way. It, the only thing that would have made this f- parade even perfect would have been a Robin Hood float. Have you ever noticed how many people, at least at Disneyland, but I've also seen with Walt Disney, people wearing Robin Hood t-shirts. I'm telling you, we are overdue for a Robin Hood float in a parade. And um, But the last float, which equally was stunning, was a Sleeping Beauty float with the three fairies kind of hovering up and down in a circle in the front of the float, a castle in the back with Aurora and Prince uh, Philip uh, hand in hand, her dress done in a way that shimmer the shimmer of the dress gave back and forth to blue and pink. And all of these um, medieval banners hanging off the sides of the float, everything done in gold trim, Oh my goodness, this was a stunning parade and so much fun. Characters all over, um, greeting guests right on the street, lots of dancers, really talented dancers. This was, this was truly one, uh, Sensational Parade is what I was trying to think of earlier. Sensational Parade was a fantastic parade, especially with its Mary Poppins float. This is equal to that parade. They probably had a better track than this one, but the floats here are pretty, pretty impressive. The last piece that I think has to be mentioned is the World of Color one. Now, I had seen the World of Color show. I'd seen even the, the holiday version of World of Color. I saw the one that came out um, during Disneyland 65th, which was, with Patrick, um, what's his name, uh, Doogie Hauser. I'm telling you, that was a disappointment. And even the original one, while you're stunned by the beauty of these fireworks, that's sh- the original show just went on and on and on. This show was just the right length. It it um, began with a little elemental preview. That, that didn't do much for me. Although I think elemental is worth seeing. Um, not your typical songs. Thank you that I could see three shows that did not include Part of Your World or Be Our Guest or um, um, Under the Sea. I just needed something different. This one went right into, after its intro, uh, went into the World of Color 1 suggests just one person or just one drop or just one can make all the difference in the world, that type of thing. Pocahontas, um what difference can I make with Mother Willow? kind of went through that and then she goes into her um, musical number. Very cool. There was a soul jazz piece. I sat there listening to this.' So watching this soul jazz piece and I thought, if Walt could have seen this, this is what the Fantasia, this is what Fantasia would have looked like with water. It was just stunning. They're, they have really come up with more amazing ways to do special effects with water and light than you can possibly imagine. Um, the I'm not fine number from Encanto, that was beautifully rendered. but the, But then later on, we go into a Mulan number and this actually takes you to the mountain avalanche scene. And they recreate the avalanche using water and white light, and it was so clever and so well done. Um, then they went to a Moana heart of Tefiti where you see a projection of her holding the heart. It's kind of almost a laser version. She drops it, it you see it go under the water, the way it felt like, you know, the way the fountains went, it felt in the mist, felt like you were under the water. It just went through a whole piece. So clever. And then you have two pieces which were just standouts at different times. One was Star Wars. So cool. So well done. And the Avengers piece came with circles. You know how they step out in, in, I guess it's Endgame. And they come out through the circles. And these circles just started to appear. and they, They all come out as Avengers. So very cool. And the best part was, you go through the whole thing, you come back to the the opening number as it plays to the end and they go through this great uh, finale piece and then all of a sudden it stops and there's a Walt Disney quote saying, just so you know, we're just getting started. And that was a profound moment um, as I watched that. It really um, took me emotionally and uh, and I'll share more about that in uh, in an upcoming podcast. Uh, but uh, man, that was that all three were so fantastic. Well, I have to say, my whole Disneyland experience. While there were challenges, and while nothing was perfect, it really was superb on so many levels. And if you're considering a Disneyland visit, please consider also reaching out to David. And Zanola because they can help you make the plans for that trip and save you money and find the best options. You want to navigate that hotel thing. You want to navigate the airline. You want to, you know, because you have different airports you could be coming into. You could, the whole thing I talked about with rental cars, and all that, David and tickets and all that, they really know how to help you with that. So take a look at that. I also want to take, you can't talk about Disneyland without talking about Jim Corcus, and I've talked about him on some previous podcasts, oh please, please go to GoFundMe and see if you can't make a direct contribution to Jim Corcus. or join our Patreon group, the Wayfinder Society and everything in 2023. All donations to the Wayfinder Society will be contributed to supporting Jim at this very difficult time. He has had so many health related issues. If, if you if you can't financially find a way to do it, then simply be among the first 100 people to subscribe to Disney Insights, subscribe to Disney Insights on YouTube, and join our Disney Insights Facebook group page. And I'll make a contribution for every time you do all three of those things. So please consider those one way or the other. You can help Jim and um, and help make a difference for someone who truly has embraced the the joy of Disney through his writings for so many years. Well, that does it for this Disney at Play podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of Disney Insights again. As we've said before, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We will see you real soon.